I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Dennis Smith left York City to become Sunderland manager in the summer of 1987 before the start of a league campaign that would see the Black Cats play in the third tier of English football for the first time in their history. By the time he was dismissed a day before New Year's Eve in 1991, he'd had four and a half seasons full of incident and memorable moments. I, Stephen Goldsmith, along with Gareth Barker and Craig Clark, went down to meet Dennis to hear all about those times in his own words. But first, we hear from Gary Bennett, who was already playing for Sunderland at the time of Smith's arrival, and Marco Gabbiadini, the centre-forward who would be his most famous signing and successful signing. When Dennis first took over... The football club, yeah, we were in the third division. You know, he's a manager who knew that division, experienced. And to be fair, from day one he came in, he was positive. And what he was able to do was bring in players um, who he knew could do a job. And obviously keeping the players who were already at the football club. And uh, you got to say that he formed a very, very good spirit not just on the field but off the field as well um, we had our one or two ding-dongs but you know overall um, you know he, he believed in what I can do um, and obviously he thought you know I could be able to help bring that f- football club back out of that division what we was in. I was a young player in uh, York City uh, before the days of academy um, I used to play for York Schoolboys and York County, Yorkshire, North Yorkshire County team, and uh, Dennis had just taken over York City and uh, performed miracles. Really, got I think they were the first team to win 100 points with promotion uh, out of the fourth division. Uh, so he came to York. He'd done really well, and I uh, came into the team as a 16-year-old halfway through that uh, first term, um, and within a couple of months, I was on the bench for the first team. So. He was, uh, for me, uh, uh, you know, he gave him my start in football and along with him and I think you've got to mention Viv Busby. Viv was a, a great coach, especially for me as, a, as an ex-striker as well. Um, very different personalities, uh, but they worked well together as, as, a, as a pair. Um, and then fortunately for me, obviously, they went on to Sunderland and um, I'd had a sort of probably about 60 games under Dennis, probably half of them as subs appearances, scored a few goals. And when he went into Sunderland, I think he... Saw the need for a for an out and out striker and and luckily took me along and obviously famously I think um, I was obviously fairly unknown on 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 Wearside, um, but it was a, a match made in heaven. So uh, you know, eternally grateful to to Viv and Dennis for 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 taking me up there. Um, and we had a good run at Sunderland. We had uh, two promotions and uh, we were always very competitive. He was a, a good manager. I wouldn't say he was a great coach, but he was a motivator and uh, he, he tried to look after the lads as well as he, as he could. He loved a trip, to be fair. He, loved, he used to like the social side of football and getting the lads together and, and, and really working as a unit, and that, that was a big thing for him. Um, but, you know, I think he was obviously went on to have a fantastic career and a, and a long 
He was in the 1000 club as well, wasn't he? So, um, yeah, good memories of working with him. Well, we are delighted to say that we are with former Sunderland manager Dennis Smith. Thanks for having us along, Dennis, to have this chat today. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to what you've got to say. Well, I think we're looking forward <laughs> yeah. to what you've got to say. Yeah, people have heard what we've got to yeah. say far too many times. <laughs> well, it's a matter of whether I can improve on it. We'll have to wait. I'm Apparently, sure. you know, from what I can gather, I, sh- I shouldn't have too much problems with that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who you've been talking to, yeah, because they are right. right. Um, what we're going to do, Dennis, is we're just going to start from, from the day you walked in and, and, and go right through until, until you left Sunderland. Um, and we'll start just by giving people, um, I mean, I'm sure most of our listeners will know who you are. Some of the younger ones perhaps don't know. Some of our listeners in America might not. You you played for Stoke City, which is your hometown team, and won a League Cup with them? Yeah, we won the League Cup in 72, a couple of FA Cup semi-finals, which I've been talking about. And, you know, we, we did reasonably well in the league as well. You know, we came very close to, to winning the league in 74, so... Um, yeah, they, we, we were successful, but we had good players there, and people like Gordon Banks and Jeffers. You know, they, mm. they, we had World Cup winners in, in the side. Um, so that, that was good times for the Potteries. And then you went to York, and then that's where you, you got your first opportunity in management. That was my first opportunity in management, and uh, good quiz question. First club ever to get over 100 points was York City. Oh, there you go. There you go. I did know that you broke the 100-point barrier and, and a couple of famous results in there as well in the FA Cup, a couple of giant killings. As yeah, well. yeah. well, we, we beat uh, beat Arsenal, which was a great pleasure because they knocked us out of two FA Cups when I was a, <laughs> a player with Stoke. Um, and we drew with Liverpool two years running as well and had replays against Liverpool. And also the famous Liverpool teams as well. Yeah, Kenny Daglish uh, and everybody, yeah. yeah. Okay, so then... Because you did well at York, uh, Sunderland had just been relegated, and this is the 87-88 season. So Sunderland had just been relegated into the third tier of English football, what is now League One, the third division then, for the first time in their history. A big job in your eyes, even though you had to take a pay cut. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which takes some believing that you're leaving York. Uh, and, no, the, actually the salary was the same, exactly, but if I didn't get promotion, I was going to have to pay... Bob, uh, the club ten grand out of my salary, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was basically. I believe if you can't get Sunderland promoted out of that league, then I didn't deserve the money anyway. My wife didn't agree with me. But... <laughs> <laughs> was it, did it never cross your mind to, to take the job? I, no, as soon as the offer came, I was going to take it. Whatever, basically. I mean, and I had a car with my job at, at York. Didn't have one at Sunderland, but fortunately there was a garage who <laughs> supplied me with a very nice car. But um, and there, it, there was a lot of Bob was a very very odd businessman. He'd just taken over as chairman. I mean, Laurie had been there before me and had a real good deal. Um, <laughs> Bob was determined that I wasn't going to get that, and we had our disagreements on on a, quite a few things, and that's that's one of them. Yeah. You know, I thought he could have paid me a little bit better because my wife's saying, well, why do you want to go? I said, just look, come look at the stadium. Come go, come mm. look at what they've got. Mm. Look, get a, Read about Sunderland Football Club and know where we, where I'm going. Because for a young manager, the opportunity is one that nobody in the right mind would turn down. And when you walked in, you said, 
that the players were under-motivated, overpaid perhaps. Uh, a couple of quotes from, from your book here. Um, you said that the place was entirely imbued with fear. And when I rolled up to the northeast coast, the whole club and city were wallowing in endless, morose negativity. Yeah, they, they, it just felt as though you know, you expect, they, people were expecting to go down again. And I'm going, you're Sunderland Football Club. Do you realise what players were? The players are useless, these are useless. And I'm looking and you've got people like Eric Gates and George Burley and Frank Gray who could actually control the ball and pass it to one another. It was a joy to be, you know, I'm looking and going, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to tri- teach them how to control and pass. Yeah, and yeah, you just got to get, I realised once I looked at those players and got working with them, how fortunate I was to have, you know, and they were almighty stick they were getting. The players, everybody. You know, it was Everything was wrong. Uh, the cleaning lady was coming, oh, are we going to go down again? Are we ever going to win another game? You know, yes, we are. <laughs> we, we can start straight away You know, with the players we've got here. And, yeah, does it need changing? Does it need a different approach? Does it need livening up? The answer is yes. But uh, we, with Viv and myself, we were two young lads who... Generally bouncy anyway, so you know, that helps. And yeah, you know, we wanted to pass that on to the players. And once the players bought into it, the ones who stayed, it, it, I was delighted with what I was getting myself into. And were you? Did you feel it was important for the fresh start to bring your own stuff in? So you brought in Viv Busby, who you mentioned there was your assistant, mm-hmm. Malcolm Crosby, uh, who's from the area anyway, and Roger Jones, and you brought yeah. those guys in. Yeah, I mean, uh, I you need people you trust so you can get on with the job. So they cover your back. They they sort things out. Uh, sometimes as a manager, I have a humour bypass. So uh, <laughs> Viv's got a good sense of humour and could, could lift players when I'd give them a, a bit of a roasting, a bit of a tongue lashing. Malcolm technically was, was very good on his knowledge of the game. Roger was a first-class goalkeeping coach. Plus, he would sit on the bench and see things the rest of us didn't, but he wasn't one voicing it so he used to say seeing Anthony Jones here you go well I think we should get a bit tighter on him or there's just little bits so people people yeah think Roger who Roger Jones had got a good footballing brain and you know he was a good footballing coach as well as far as goalkeeping was concerned you mentioned uh, obviously before you took the job you, you, the size of the club uh, attracted you and you, you noticed pretty much straight away when you came that how you need to deal with the press and the media was very different. You were being stopped well, by fans in the street from children to pensioners who wanted to talk football with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, people would come up and say, you know, are you going to pick him? He's useless. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this would be the lady behind, you know, while I was buying a paper or the kid kicking a ball against the outside of the training ground saying, oh, I wouldn't have picked him. I think you should be playing this system. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, great. <laughs> Everybody wants to talk to you about the game. I'm happy to talk. The, the media had been banned by Laurie from coming in. Before <laughs> I got there, I've gone, you done what? <laughs> I've gone, no, you can come. Come on the coach, lads. Come come with us. Be part of it. Free advertising. Media is free advertising, if you get it right. What you've got to do in the end is win. But they give you... If you're losing, if you've got the media on side, they'll be a lot nicer to you than if you've made life difficult for them. And it became difficult for them. They used to come 
to the games on the coach with us, travel. Now, if we've got beat and they've got a sort of one of the lads, it's then they thinking, hmm, is it a good idea to, be on the, idea to be on the coach? Or if they give a bad report. If I think it was an honest report, that, that's, that's fine. If I felt as though they weren't being fair, then they got told. What did and you we're do? Good Call, you called them up? You're sitting reading the uh, the Echo report, and you say, "Well, that's a load of rubbish." What, what do you do? Well, they were in every day. I, I did two press conferences a day, nine o'clock in the morning and one o'clock every day. So I saw them every day. Uh, if things started going wrong, then you got your hatchet men coming up from London for the nationals. So you go, "Well, I'm in trouble, lads, am I?" <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, but it's the media; they've got a job to do. You've got a job to do. You work together. as They're part of it. With um, bringing in your own staff, and, and you said you used some of the players you had there. You mentioned Eric Gates, uh, Gary Bennett as well. Eric Gates, people know Eric Gates um, for, for something we'll get onto later with his, his strike partnership with Gabby Dean and where that took Sunderland. But at the time, he wasn't a popular person on, in, well, in Sunderland, was he? He wasn't being played. So I asked him, I said, yeah, what's the problem we man? He's gone, well, they're playing channel balls and eyeballs. And he says, look at me, I'm not going to chase the channel. And I'm not. I said, what happens if I get into your feet? He said, I'll destroy teams. I go, I'll get into your feet then. <laughs> and, you know, and, I mean, I brought uh, Birchin in to play alongside Gabbers. And, you know, I tried different things. But once I put Eric there, it was, yeah, you go, Ooh, a little bit of magic here. He could, he saw things well before anybody else's first touch, his vision was great. And all he had to tell Gabbers then was just get on the shoulders and gallop the other way, he'll find you. Yeah. you know, and it, it's, it drops on your plate at times, and, and that one did. I mean, I knew Gabbers, obviously. Eric, I knew from his Ipswich days, where I always rated him as a player. People don't realise what a real good player Eric mm. Gates was football braid I think he was sort of as a symbol wasn't he to, because because McMenemy as we said had brought in all these I mean, lots of Names. former internationals yeah. and so. stuff and it just didn't work for them and I think people looked at him and he was maybe a symbol for that at the yeah. did, did you have the in mind you know you talking about the club and the due diligence you, you knew about the club and the size of the club mm. and the stadium yeah. and all that you, you would have been aware of the squad and the players available yeah. were you, when you came in were you thinking right I've got these players in the back of my mind who I want to bring in, obviously. Or was it when he got there where you're going, well, no, I could bring Gabby Dean Because in. until I, I, I get in there and see what I've got, you know, and everybody's telling me, well, he's, Eric Gates is useless, he's, you know, Frank Gray's useless, everybody's useless. Things <laughs> 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 yeah. happen when you get relegated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, Bob Murray told me he wouldn't turn up to the game if Ezzy was playing in goal. I said, you're not going to come to the game then, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Into, everybody's into, that's football. Everybody's entitled to opinion. Great. I love people's giving me the opinion in the end, just because I disagree with you. you know, you're entitled to your opinion, but I disagree. And then I make the decisions. <laughs> so people like Gary Bennett then and Eric Gates, players who are already here, who you, you put into the side, and then you brought players you knew, like John McPhail, Mark or yeah. Dini is the obvious one, so you're, you're mixing it up a little bit. And Yeah, but there was pl- young players there like, Armstrong and uh, Gary Hours, you know, Gary's energy was awesome. You know, all at once you get a, a lift for the older players when somebody's got that many legs, he couldn't stop him running. Like a battery. At times you have to stop and put your brain in gear. Yeah, but it's, 
but he, the lad was good. Benno, when I first got him, I'm thinking, he's not a centre-half. I'd play him a full-back at first, because you never knew where he was. <laughs> He'd go on one of his runs, and the fans loved his runs. <laughs> so when I stopped him, he's going, well, the fans love it. I said, yeah, but I don't. <laughs> You're a centre-half. But he got great pace. Isn't so, you know, if Monty goes and wins it in the air or misses it, he got the pace to cover it. And, I mean, George Burley was right back, and George's quality was great. But he liked getting forward. Well, in the end, I like defenders at first. If you're going, so I brought uh, a lad called John Kay in, and you might remember mm-hmm. the total lunatic. <laughs> but he he moved from Arsenal to Wimbledon because he wanted to go further north. <laughs> <laughs> but Casey was brilliant for me. Yeah, there and Rubin at left back now they can defend first and foremost then they give it to people who could to play to pass it and play and it, yeah, you've got to build a team who first of all are solid they've got a solid base and then you put your flair in Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. By mid-September, however, um, 12th on the table. So did you ever sort of feel like you were getting dragged into the whole negativity vacuum then because it wasn't the quickest of starts? It wasn't the quickest of starts, but I, yeah, you've just moved in and you're looking and saying, is it coming together? You talk to, you talk to the people you trust me back to. You know, that's where it's useful to have people you, you've worked with. They know you, you know them. What do you think? Yeah, we need to tweak this a little bit. We need to tweak that. That needs changing. Generally, we're doing all right, but things 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 don't always go as you want. But if you're positive and you know where you're going and you've got the right people to do it and you know you've got the right people to do it, sooner or later it'll come right. And of course, the fans, as as we've already said, would would remind you in the street anyway. So you you can kind of gauge the performance on them, can't you? When yeah, I mean, I don't mind... Yeah, why should you object to people having an opinion as long as they you know, didn't expect you to always agree with them? I, mean, I remember buying a player. I'm trying to remember. I won't mention his name. Uh, we used to do forums. I used to go to the pubs. And this was Brian Mooney, yeah? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And, you know, they, they, I've gone, and they were giving me stick. I've gone, whoa, hold on a bit. Right. Everybody put up their hands who thinks... He was, Brian was a bad buy, and I went. <laughs> <laughs> People make bad decisions. Yeah, I've got to, as a manager, you need to make more good decisions than bad ones. We were talking before it started, didn't we, about uh, how things were different then? And uh, there's, there's a story about when you signed 
uh, Colin Pascoe as well, which is unthinkable in today's yeah. digital world, really, what you had to do to get that one over the line. <laughs> yeah, we had slight problems because we couldn't got a fax to Blackpool or somewhere and then to drive down to Cardiff and <laughs> to take, because it, it's a Welsh club. So we had that international, you, st- you still have to, it wasn't like an international border sort of thing. So it, <laughs> the paperwork was ridiculous. And we were driving and phoning and doing all sorts to to get Colin over the line on the on the before midnight on whatever mm. day it was. You can imagine a modern day manager now doing that, can't you? Driving a five like a five hundred mile round trip or whatever it was, <laughs> just to sign a player. I used, <laughs> I used to do it all the time. I used to go watching games. <laughs> Somebody on board a helicopter these days, I think. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously things change, but yeah. generally we. I used to drive all over. That's why I've just been to France for my holidays and people say, you're driving all through France. I said, yeah, that's what I've been doing all my life, really. Yeah, you, you drive. I mean, when I lost my job, suddenly my next job was was Bristol. I was still got my house up in the northeast, so I was driving from Sunderland to Bristol <laughs> at four o'clock every Monday, Monday morning. I'd got home early hours of Sunday morning after the game on the Saturday and... Early hours of Monday morning, you're on the road, and when you're on that, eight, the, the, I'm trying to remember, day 64, I'm trying to yeah, what's the road coming down from Sunday? <laughs> now? Uh, and you got two trucks alongside one another at four o'clock in the morning. It's not funny. <laughs> it's kind of ironic, actually, doing that that way, because now we can't get anyone to move to yeah. Sunderland. Yeah. It's the other way around. I tell you, they don't know what they're missing. Yeah, well, it's good well, to get someone to say that, you know. I mean, you get, you get obviously, you involved in the game now in variety of capacities and you know you're around Stoke and, and places like that all the time and you know something has been infested recently with uh, people who don't see the opportunity that you'd 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 hope people would see and, and like you well, saw the opportunity at the start well, you know yeah. why 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 is that why is that I think people think you know it's only London and Manchester now the wives want, want to live in and that, what all I would be saying to players first, I'll bring them up, take them, look around the area, pitch like, like Durham and yeah, some beautiful places around the, the northeast. Have a look what it is. If you want to live a little bit further out, that's not a problem. It's, 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 the roads are good enough to get in, it ain't a problem. But if your wife wants to go down to London, you can get on a plane every now and again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, the player has got to come and want to fall in love with the game. And he's, then he should bring, sell that to his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. Yeah, my wife's been brilliant. I've been lucky. I've known her since school and she, she, she knows the business. But I, I used to just say, right, we're moving from here and we're going there. I mean, <laughs> I went to Sunderland. I'd just finished building a house, doing a house up in, in York for five years. She'd just finished it. I said, right, we're there. But I always want to live where I'm working because I want to know the area, I want to know the people. So, right, she's got to move the kids. She's, she's, she's got to sell the house, buy a new house. And the one at Sunderland, I, I, we were training at Durham at the time at the university and got a phone call, at, I found the house. So, great, where is it? Overlooking Durham, I Shinkley. Oh, brilliant, I'll come and have a look. Because I'd, but I'd said to her, like, I want it finished. I've done want all these builders and everything. You get there, it's two houses being knocked into one. No walls, interior <laughs> walls, garage half built. 
I've gone, <laughs> forget it, no way, done. I go back to work, get to the hotel that night, says I bought that house. <laughs> so you know where the power lies. Right? <laughs> we um, went on to win the league that season, which uh, at the first attempt, um, uh, crowds of 30,000 by, by the end of the season. I mean, what did some of the players make of that who probably didn't know the football club at that point? They, they were surely believing then how big things well, could yes, be. I mean, if you've got any knowledge of football history, and if you're involved with, with football, then you should have some feel for what sort of club you're going to. So if you didn't realise, you soon found out. Yeah, they're vocal. They wanted to support you, but they're also out going to have an opinion about you. Now, they might not always love you, but you can guarantee if you put your effort in, They'll, they'll give you the, the backing, even if it's just effort. If they don't think you're good enough, they'll still tell you, but they'll they'll forgive you a lot if you're prepared to work hard. So we win the league the first time of asking, and we, we get promoted. And then the second season was very much about consolidation. Um, what, we get promoted, and you do what any normal manager would do at that point, and you bring Ian Botham into the dressing room. How, how and why... <laughs> How and why? Oh, uh, I mean, I've, I've always been a big cricket fan. I played a lot of cricket, and yeah, I knew both. And he, he wanted to uh, train, and he always thought he was a player. He wasn't. <laughs> cricket, he was for, very good. Played for Scunthorpe, did played he? for Scunthorpe, yeah. but I think from Scunthorpe's point of view, was bring people through the gate. It was a good publicity stunt. I mean, he wasn't bad. Yeah, he was a, he was a good amateur centre forward or whatever. He thought he was better. than but training-wise, it was brilliant. Because if you say, you know, we can do a thousand sit-ups, both would want to do a thousand and one. You know, no matter what you wanted to challenge, you wanted to put the players, both wanted to be better. And that's the attitude you wanted around the place. Uh, he also brought the other side. Is you know, He was always bubbly and, and confident. Um, but I think he found a couple of the lads... Could be enough out drinking, which takes some doing. One of those you mentioned as well, Billy Whitehurst, as somebody brought in, who had a reputation <laughs> for being a drinker and a scrapper. Well, the reason I got him, we were a pre season away and uh, yeah, all with training at the same place. And Billy came in the shower while I was in the shower. We were cha- changing and got a black eye. I go, What have you been up to? Oh, no, no. Actually, they were training at Durham at the same at our training ground. So, what have you been up to? Oh, I'd been out in Newcastle <laughs> the night before. <laughs> got filled in by a bouncer. <laughs> so I thought, all oh, right. And then I got talking to the manager, and their manager was determined he got to go. I'm thinking, great. I can have him for a short period because I know what he's like, and because I'd played against him at York. And he knows what I was like, so we didn't have any problems there because I'd sorted him out once he knew it. <laughs> and he was brilliant for me for a couple of years because he's working. Because people say, well, Billy's been out drinking. I say, OK, we'll have a running session and see who's at the front. And Billy was always at the front. So I, I'm not bothered as long as you produce. And, uh, and there's p- a lot of people who you know, live all this perfect life then don't turn up on a Saturday. That's no point. You know, I prefer you mm. have a little bit of character and, and turn up on a Saturday. And some players, is that right, would, would grasp Billy and Ian Botham up if they'd been out on the drink and on, oh, on yeah. the session? 
But if they thought I didn't know, yeah, you would know that they'd been out. But he was still the best trainer. Yeah, and he still put it... If he wasn't, then he would have been fined and in major trouble. Mm. And both would have been out of the club as well. But he brought that comradeship, that, that bounce that, that both does. Yeah, you, you get a lot of good things out of both. Some people say, well, there's bad things, which like, perhaps the drinking people wouldn't agree with, and I... I tend to agree, but if you want to go out drinking on a Monday or Tuesday and, and we haven't got a game till Saturday, I can live with that. Now, if you want to go Thursday, Friday, then I've, I've got a problem with that. So it's according to when you do it and everything else. And you would also get fans regularly call you up and, and tell you that this player or that player had been out on the drink. Yeah. And you go, fine. Yeah, was he abusive to you? Was he causing any problems? Where was he? What night was it? Now, again, if it's Thursday, Friday, they're in trouble. If it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, if he's been out after a game on a Wednesday night, then, yeah, OK. What do young lads do? Mm. And you, you said you actually got a little bit annoyed by this because it was happening that regularly. and you, you did Because the fans would be saying, well, we lost on Saturday. What, 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 what's he doing out and stuff? And I'd say, well, we lost on Saturday and you came to watch and you'd be going out. <laughs> and you'd be drowning your sorrows as well. <laughs> Yeah, but they, they, they're human beings, and you treat them as human beings. And yeah. But if it's affecting their performances, then that's a problem. If it's not affecting their performances, and people say, well, nobody should drink. Or, um, I, I, I'm, as, a, as a player, I didn't drink when I first started playing. And then, yeah, the first team players, Stoke, you're not having it now, I don't drink. And yeah, eventually, yeah, okay. I would. But I would only drink again after the game on a Saturday. You don't go where the fans are if you just got beat. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, and I was a local lad here while I was playing, so there wasn't many places I could go out. But yeah, okay, so you have a couple of your mates around, and a lot of players now drink in, so yeah. people don't see. So, so they're not, not drinking, they're just not going out and drinking. So it's it's the same thing. It's, you know, let's be honest. That's what I try to be, mm. is open and honest. I want the players to be open and honest. And if they've been out drinking, fine. Where are you? Where, why were you out? What were you doing? Why did you join? That? If you're in Newcastle, that's not sensible. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. MacPhail went out once and found that with his car. Oh, the damage of his car. <laughs> yeah, but he was silly with John MacPhail written all alongside of it to take it out in Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> that season was, as I mentioned, very much just consolidating and finished mid-table, but there were a few things that developed that season. Gabby Dini was starting to make a real name for himself yeah. by this point, wasn't he? A, few, a couple of hat-ricks in that season. If you say so. I, I think mean, he got sent off after one of them, I think. Did he? he scored a penalty and then punched uh, was it the keeper in the face or something or one of the defenders <laughs> did he? it's not like Gabbers Gabbers isn't, isn't that way inclined so it would be interesting to know what what was <laughs> what said I could, I, I'd have to tr- this is going back to when we very first started going yeah. to the games as kids yeah. like, so maybe our memory is a little bit sketchy yeah. I mean yeah, you might yeah. be right but I can't remember it and I wouldn't be very pleased with him if he did <laughs> <laughs> um, there was another player who it might have been this season, it might have been the season after who who broke through, who we've we've had on the show a few times, um, Kieran Brady, who, I mean... Kieran should have been mm. one of our great players. 
but he messed up and he knows he messed up. Actually, I saw him uh, when I was doing Radio Stoke, I think, for, for Newcastle. Yeah, he was there. He works there, yeah. And he actually came up and apologised for his behaviour eventually after all these years. <laughs> but, but he was, he was such a taunted lad. You, I mean, you in your book, you, you think he could have been George Best Paul oh, Gascoigne level. He, he was untrue. Yeah, and, and his first game, he ripped, he wasn't. I'm trying to remember. Uh, West Ham was the famous one where we we won 4 3 and he's, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he ripped them to pieces. He was brilliant. And then he was still in the hostel at that time. So he went back to the hostel where Malcolm Crosby was running the hostel and said, Can I go out tonight? So he crossed the phones me. I've gone, Oh, where's he going? I just, you know, and it was a midweek game, I think. Or a Saturday. No, it was a Saturday. And he got his mate over. He said, Going out with his mate. So, well, as long as he's in for 12 o'clock, yeah, no problem. At four o'clock he came in, so we'd got a game the following Tuesday. He didn't play. So I got absolutely slaughtered by the media and everybody else. And, yeah, I'm just saying, look, he's, he's tired and he just pressed, shouldn't be. So I made excuses for the lad um, because, he's, again, he's a young lad and he's got lessons to learn. Unfortunately, Curran didn't. And after that, he, he got a bad injury after I left, so mm. I don't know whether... But he was... Unbelievably talented. I mean, he had, it was the story, wasn't it? I mean, that he was in the morning of the game. He made his debut, was it? Or he was on the he was playing for the the youth, so the and he had such a good game that they took him off at half time and then put him on the bench in the afternoon. Is that is that well, true? I mean, the the first time I came across him, York under eighteen, yeah, he's playing and we kicked off and he just kicked it to him and he's. He just put it in the back of the net from, from the halfway line. He's seen the keeper off his line. I've got, oh, we're one nil up. We just kicked it. two touches. Yeah, like he got two, boom, goal. And I've gone, right. <laughs> but it, the things he could do, he could he could walk from the ground, from Roker Park down to the hostel, which was on the front, just keeping the ball up, talking to people, juggling, chatting, just keeping it up. But he got pace, he got strength, he could use both feet. Yeah, Ari was awesome. So I got more and more frustrated, I've got to be honest with him, because when you've got that sort of talent, you shouldn't waste it. He now realises that he did. He was a bit unlucky with his... Uh, well, his injury, whatever the, his the, and the, the, uh, He had a sort of a problem with the veins, I think, in his mm. legs, and mm. sort of basically blood flow issue or something, and he never, obviously, just never achieved what he, mm. need, what he could have achieved. Well, put it this way, if he had done what I thought he could have done, I'd still been there. Because <laughs> he would have won games for me. <laughs> yeah, he's at St. James now because he, he works for the Premier League. He said, actually, just go, go off for one here. Last time I saw him there, well, not, not last time I saw him there, but when Liverpool were playing Newcastle at St. James's and Jordan Henderson was playing, so all, uh, or it might have been Everton and Pickford and all, and Newcastle fans are singing, um, you just decide, Mac Ambassador. Basically, and at the end of the game, Kim comes up to me and says, "What well, all are you guys are fans singing at you for it? Therefore, which I thought was quite funny. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.